Welcome to the Love and Life After Divorce podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. On this podcast, you will feel empowered to release the feelings of shame, trauma, isolation, and sense of loss that can often come from a difficult marriage, painful breakup, and divorce. You will be given the insights and inspiration you need to love yourself fiercely, be sure of your worthiness, and to handle the challenges of post-divorce life with strength and humor. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Love and Life After Divorce podcast. I'm Tiffany Kane, your host, and I am here today with somebody who's a bit of a celebrity in the divorce community. I am so excited to have Dr. Elizabeth Cohen with us today. Dr. Cohen's pretty amazing, you guys. Not only is she a decorated PhD, she received a prestigious award from the American Psychological Foundation, a research award. She, she's featured on all kinds of shows, the Tamron Hall Show, Wall Street Journal, NBC News, Women's Health. She is a weekly contributor to Psychology Today with her divorce course column. She has her own podcast. And you guys, I see her all over the place speaking at all kinds of events. This woman is a powerhouse. She knows what she is doing. And I am just so thrilled to have her here with us today because I know what she's saying today will help you all. Welcome, Dr. Cohen. We're so happy to have you here. Oh, Tiffany, thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here and to talk with your audience. Yay. So quick question before we get into the nitty gritty of today's topic. Yeah. What got you into doing this kind of work with your podcast and with your uh, all the work that you do with women around divorce, what brought you here? Um, so I came here, like many of us, honestly, in my own way, in my for my own story. I was divorced 10, or divorced 10 years ago, separated 12 years ago. Mm. And at that time, I was practicing in a clinical psychology pr profession. I run my own group practice. I was, during the day, giving everybody thoughtful skills and tools to help manage difficult situations, including relationships. But actually at home, things were really challenging. Mm. Um, my story involves being married to someone who struggled with substance abuse and the disease of alcoholism. And so when I kicked him out, my kids were six months old and two years old. So oh. I had littles. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I had littles really in a time where I was just trying to get by. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, being in bed one night, I mean, probably covered in spit up and, you know, who knows the last time I had showered and Googling divorce recovery programs and finding very little. And I thought at that moment, Miss Mean, I, I won't recover. Like the mm -hmm. message must be that, oh, there is no recovery, mm. right? Um, and I, I felt terrible, I remember that day. I also have this part of my personality where I believed something had to be different. And I was had the privilege of all this education. I thought, let me try to piece something together with what I know, with the experts I know in my world. And so I, one step forward, two steps back, pieced together a recovery program for myself and healed and stepped into the most wonderful life I could have, relationship with my partner, my current husband, the kid's father, my kids. And I got a little tired of just working one-on-one -on -one with people. Mm -hmm. I wanted to share a message that was in a on a grander scale. Mm -hmm. And I kept thinking, what message do I want to send? Because I could teach about a lot of things. And it just occurred to me, like, there's one thing you have to teach, which is how did you get from such pain and struggle to such joy and abundance. Mm. And so that's how I stepped into it because I know and I believe in the ability to heal. And I think that a lot of professionals um, who haven't been through it can say they believe that, but I actually lived it. I lived the hard parts mm. and the good parts and the continually challenging parts. I think what you said right there about I just want to hover on the the journey. The the journey yeah. is what is so fascinating to me. That pain and struggle starting there and then being able to go and, and 
listeners can't see my hands kind of doing this windy thing because the journey's not a straight path at all. But to going on that winding journey then to joy and abundance. And I love those words because that concept of thriving and of joy and of not just, okay, I recovered and I'm okay, but I've recovered, I've healed, I'm growing, and I'm in this thriving, joyful, abundant place. That is a place of power and beauty. Yes. And and the fact that you worked so hard to get there yourself and then were so drawn and called to help other people with that is so powerful. Love that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So I do think that people think that the starting the divorce process is just the beginning of so much pain. Mm -hmm. And there certainly is pain, mm -hmm. but either admitting that a relationship isn't working for you or accepting that a relationship isn't working for your partner is actually the bravest move you can do yes. and is the beginning of the healing. Mm -hmm. The healing doesn't start after the papers are signed. It starts with how you embody and allow and accept and show up for the difficulty that's coming with the divorce. Wow. That is so powerful. That is so powerful. I I feel like I need to type that up and put it on a wall. The accepting that the relationship isn't working. I'm taking notes as you're talking. So accepting that relationship yeah. isn't working is where that healing begins. And then you you're starting that journey there. That is that's yeah. that powerful almost aha moment of okay, it's time to love myself enough. Even if I'm not the one that made the decision to end the marriage, accepting exactly. that decision is very healing. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I love it. Okay. I feel like we could talk about that for hours. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to do that on our next time, We next will. Podcast. We will. That was, that's yeah. so powerful. Oh, I would love to dig into that more. But I contacted you because I had mm -hmm. a listener send me a DM and say, I need help. I'm trying to get into the world of dating again after divorce. I've got young children and I just don't know how to navigate this with the children. I don't know how to help my children through my dating experience. And we all know dating is a is a really powerful way to heal after divorce, right? Like that's an important accepting love again, creating new relationships, that's really important. Uh, and we don't want to not date because we're worried about hurting the kids. So how do we do this in a way that's healthy? And so I told that listener, I said, okay, I know what I did, but I'm not the expert. Let me reach out to somebody who I know who is. And that's why I reached out to you because I knew that you do really good work in this area and you're really respectful of children. In fact, you do a lot of work with children. So I just, I'm so excited to hear what you have to say on this topic. So starting at the beginning, somebody that has children and they're mm -hmm. getting started in the dating world, what are some common emotions we can expect our children to have as we're going through this process? Great. I'm going to just, I'm going to answer that in just a moment. I'm just going to backtrack sure. and kind of set the scene a Thank little you. bit, if that's Thank okay, for this whole experience. Okay, great. So I think it's really important to start with the appropriate boundaried structures of families. Mm. I want to start with whether you're a same-sex family, whether you're a single parent, whether you're a heterosexual relationship. There is a hierarchy of boundaries mm -hmm. where the parent unit, and this can be a grandparent as well. So I want to be very inclusive that, you know, we, a lot of these theories, especially in psychology, come from a very heteronormative, cis white idea. But mm -hmm. we're, we're talking any sort of family, you know, the guardians, essentially. Um, that is a separate tier from the children. Mm hmm so your children are, as people say, you know, your heart walking around with legs, right? Yes. They are your loves, right? Yes. They are your loves. They are your heart. They are everything to you. But they are not a few things. They are not your friends. Mm. They are not your equals. Mm -hmm. They are your 
dependence. They depend on you for love, affection, and attachment. They require of you to show up when they're in pain and be there for them. Now, perfectly imperfectly, right? Mm -hmm. So there's the good enough mother, good enough parent, you know, like not every second of every day. We all, none of us are like that. So I want to make that huge caveat. But the care runs from one, from the top to them. Mm-hmm. It's very important when you're going through a divorce, you are so rattled. It's easy to get that confused, right? Yes. So we see that with parents, right? Talking about the other parent or guardian to the kids, mm-hmm. right? Right. Or um, in the in the reason I'm bringing this up with dating is that when you are dating, you are still in that hierarchical role with your kids Mm -hmm. of needing to be there for them all the time. But let's remember what it felt like when we started dating before we were married. I mean, I remember thinking, I'm never going to be able to do any schoolwork because I am so head over heels for this person. (laughs) I can't focus on anything else, right? Uh Like that is what happens with oxytocin. Our bodies are meant to have this honeymoon love affair time. Mm -hmm. And that's wonderful for you. But you have to remember that that will distract you from this responsibility Mm. of being there for the kids. Mm -hmm. And it will kind of also, I know this happened to me, Tiffany, um, get you in, again, because of the oxytocin and some of the neurotransmitters that are happening, kind of distracted away from your kids. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll tell, full disclosure for myself. I mean, I know this work. The first person I, I met, or second person I was dating after my separation, my friend had to come to me and say, you know, you can't bring that person home. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, you can't do that. And I hadn't yet, but I think I was talking about it. And I I was mad like a, like a child. I felt like I'm happy finally, right? <laughs> I want to be able to do this. Like, screw them in mm-hmm. some ways. I didn't say mm-hmm. those words, but that's what I was feeling because that part of me that finally felt seen, that wanted to be happy, Um, really didn't want to be in that mother role. And and Mm -hmm. that's the truth. I mean, as parents, we have lots of different roles. We have a parent role. We have a work role. We have parts of us. We have a sensual part of us. I just wanted to be that. I didn't want to be the mom. Mm -hmm. But we are always the mom. And so I want to encourage you, if you're dating, to really think about how are you still maintaining this hierarchical role? I've thought, I've heard people say this and I love this. Like, you know, when you're out with someone who's in a new relationship and it's you and their new partner and they start like touching each other and hugging and you're like, okay, you know, just like, it's a little uncomfortable, right? Right, right. That's how your kids will feel. And imagine it even more because yes. they're used to you like cuddling around them. Yes. And it doesn't mean that anybody's wrong. Right. So the kids for feeling jealous, for feeling angry, you're asking me the emotions, for feeling sad, for feeling scared, for feeling confused. That makes perfect sense. And it also makes perfect sense that you would want to do all of this. Like (laughs) no one is wrong here. No one is wrong here. It's just understanding the dance a little bit and understanding how your kids ultimately want to feel safe. And they don't know either that the other person are safe or that you loving someone else besides their parent is safe for them. How would they know that? Yes. That's the core of it, isn't it? And and I would imagine because of all the oxytocin running through our bodies and because we are just naturally distracted and maybe floating on high and the kids see a difference in us, um, that it does feel a little bit unsettling to them of mom, you seem distracted. Mom, you, something is going on. In fact, I know when I was dating my current boyfriend, when we were early on, my son, who was a teenager, he's 16 now, he was 14 at the time, said, mom, something is going on with you. Something is different. You seem really happy. You're like Mm. on cloud, like what is going on with you? And so he brought it up. Things seem different. And it it was good that I I seemed happy But I'm sure at some level, I was also distracted. Um, Yes. And I also think, Tiffany, it's important when kids ask those questions, when kids say things to you, always think about an iceberg. mm. Think about how what they're saying to you is just the tip. Mm -hmm. And beneath it is a lot of things. Like, 
mom, you seem so happy, right? A natural response, understandable would be, I am happy. I'm, you know, I'm finding myself. I'm actually in this new relationship that makes me really happy. I'm finally happy. I've been, it's been hard for a long time or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's the truth. Mm -hmm. But that kid might also be asking, wait, you're happy. You haven't seen happy as my mom. Mm. You weren't happy with my parent, right? Mm -hmm. How will I, will you always be happy with me? Like all these questions. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Wow. Of course, we don't. I mean, this is why I'm here to share a little bit about this one step forward, two steps back. We all mm-hmm. can't always be attuned to that. But especially around asking you about other relationships, asking about how you feel being divorced, t- be careful. That is very often an iceberg with a much bigger question underneath, which is essentially, will you always love me and will you ever leave me? Oh. Okay. I am so thrilled that my listeners get to hear this. <laughs> this I I wish I had known this. I mean my my kids are are healthy and they they love uh my boyfriend. We we mm-hmm. all we live together and they're like mm-hmm. great friends. They love him so much and he loves mm-hmm. them. But having I wish I'd been aware of that iceberg concept when he asked me that question. Because I think I probably did answer it in the way you said in the beginning. Yes, I am happy. I'm I'm seeing somebody. I'm things are going good, and and if it keeps going good, I'm excited for you to meet him and all of that kind of stuff. So I probably did answer something along those lines instead of thinking, "Oh, right. what is he really asking me?" Right. Oh wow, this is powerful. Yeah, this is this is good mm. stuff. Oh, I'm so happy you're here. I keep hitting my mic at listeners because I'm so happy. My hands are like, my hands are waving so all happy. over in the air. So sorry for all the mic hits. <laughs> yeah, and I just want to say, like, with so much compassion. I mean, two things. One is that we all say things, and then we can always go back and say, "Hey, I was thinking about when I said that." I mean, you could do it now, two years later, mm-hmm. and say, "You know, I was just talking about that." And I was. I wonder now. Is there some things that you were concerned about seeing me so happy? You know, you can always we call it rupture and repair or disconnect and reconnect. Like you can always reconnect. I I want to teach everyone a little tip from a from a shrink, which is when your kid comes to you with a question and you're like, I don't know how to answer this, which is a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Do the shrink thing and say, like he's. They say, Oh, you seem so happy, and say. Yeah. Do you have any questions about that? Or what are your thoughts about that? Like, don't even answer it. Just turn it right back. And they'll usually tell you, well, you just didn't, you know, you've been so miserable for so long, mom. And now you're right. So then it's like, it's not actually about really asking you what's going on with you. Again, going back to that hierarchy, it's usually, can I be safe here? Will I be safe while you're in this new state Mm -hmm. of happiness? I am loving this so much, (laughs) Dr. Cohen. I know that what you just said will make such a huge difference for the listeners. Yes. That just that different, that that shift on the way we talk to our children. Kids' egos, really, it is about them, right? Like even when they're asking us about ourselves, it's really they're asking about themselves. Where exactly. they are sitting in our us. sphere. Yes. Exactly. Especially with us. You know, and sometimes people can hear that and think, oh, but I don't want them to be a self-centered person. They won't be on the re- at the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Our job is simply to be a mirror to help them understand their experience more. Mm-hmm. Like, how can I support you in this? Or where does tell me more about that question? Or I, I want to understand more about how you feel seeing me happy. Mm. I think one of the biggest mistakes I make too as a parent is is, is focusing on the on the story and on the content mm-hmm. and not on the process. So, right? So your your kids come home from your ex, they have this whole story of what happened, what happened, what happened, and then we went to bed late and then blah, blah, we had candy and all this stuff. <gasps> and you're triggered and you're feeling all the feelings, right? Uh-huh. And you're noticing all this rage at your ex. Uh-huh. And so what if we were to stay away from the content? And focus on the process and say, oh, sounds like you're having a lot of feelings. What's, what can I, how can I support you? Uh, what do you need now? Like, not on the content. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, 
for those of us who have healthy friendships and healthy relationships, like, you know, when this happens to me with my husband, I'll tell him a story and he'll start saying like, well, have you thought about this? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't want to, of course I did. (laughs) I just want you to say, I understand. I hear you. What can I, I mean, that's really what Mm -hmm. we want most humans want to be seen and heard and held. Seen, heard, held. Yes. If you take, yes, seen, heard, held. And kids want to be seen, mirrored, and soothed. And Mm. so can you stay away from the content? If you take anything from this podcast, focus on the process and the emotion, not on the content. Oh my gosh. Focus on the process, not the content. I am writing this down. Good. Yeah, it's a sign I have in my house. And the thing that's so great about that is it also helps with another kind of cognitive error as a cognitive behavioral therapist. This is what we call where things don't have to be, things are great with my new partner or things are terrible Mm -hmm. or my kids love my new partner or they hate the person. But like, it is a process. Like Mm -hmm. there's some days when they love having this other person. And I can tell that there's some days that they're sad that it's not their biological father. Mm-hmm. Like I, it, it can yep. be both. Yep. yep. It can be the golden and. But if we're constantly responding to the content, then we're not allowing the process, which does have a lot of mixed feelings in mm-hmm. it. Or it, yeah. And it makes a lot of sense. I mean, even like for me personally, I'll bring it back to myself of, I made a conscious decision to end my marriage. It it was not a healthy situation for any of us. And it was absolutely the best decision I ever made. And here I am seven years later, I'm in a very happy relationship. The kids are doing wonderful. But even I have those and feelings of I, you know, my kids have to live in two homes and Mm -hmm. they're spending Thanksgiving with their dad this year. And my boyfriend and I are quarantined, so (laughs) we're not doing anything. (laughs) And I miss them. And they spend Christmas Day with their dad and Christmas Eve with me. And Christmas Day is always hard. And and those are the days where it's like, oh, if only I'd been able to keep the family together. It doesn't mean that in any way, shape, or form I I wish I had done anything differently with the divorce. I know it was right. It doesn't in any way, shape, or form mean that my current relationship doesn't isn't amazing. It just means I wish things were different for my kids and I in a perfect world. Right. And that you can hold both of those things and, mm-hmm. and both of those truths. I tell a story in my book about um, the importance of processing the grief and noticing in these moments for you, it's the Christmas day, you know, when the grief comes up. And mm-hmm. I share this story about um, two summers ago. Yeah, it was the summer before COVID, I think. Um, my ex-husband came up to our country house and um, was swimming in the pool with his son. So my kid's half-brother, my kids, our kids, and my husband was grilling up at the house. And I was reading a book and I had this wave of sadness. Now, mm. I do not want to be married to this man mm-hmm. in any way, mm-hmm. in any way, anyway. But I sat there and thought, oh, this is what I had wanted. Mm-hmm. Right? Like mm-hmm. nobody gets married thinking they are going to separate, even if they were curious about whether it would work out or not. So right. I had to sit with the grief and I went up to, went up to my husband and I cried and I just allowed the feelings mm-hmm. to be there and not again, right? Process, not content. If you focus on my content, I guess you could think maybe I want to be with him. I don't. I just need to allow the emotions Mm -hmm. to come through. And the fact that you miss your kids on that day is a sign of how deeply you love them. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you're not getting over the divorce well. It means you love them. Mm -hmm. And I imagine the kids have the same feelings of it's Christmas morning and I'm with dad and grandma and grandpa, but wow, it's too bad. Mom's not sharing this too. So they have those feelings as well. Absolutely. Mm. Really, what really, really good point. And that very often we say, How was it? Or was it good? Or, and maybe this next holiday, you can think about opening a container, kind of a space of saying, Even just to yourself, like, I'm here to hear about all of it. Mm hmm. 
or I can imagine it was complicated or even mm-hmm. before that you send your kids, you know, to say like divorced families in holidays is complicated. Yeah. Just, I guess that allows Tiffany, like the permission to be complicated instead of having to feel the pressure to be good or bad. Oh my goodness. That is so powerful. You are dropping amazing (laughs) golden nuggets with like every other concept that you talk about. And I feel like each one of these concepts could be a podcast in and of themselves. And I know you have covered these on your podcast, (laughs) each of these nuggets. This is just... I can see why you are a celebrity in this world because (laughs) what you say is so good and so powerful and makes so much sense. Mm. So thank you. My pleasure. So you've talked a little bit how we can help our children navigate these feelings in a healthy way. Is there anything else before we move on to introducing the kids? Is there any other way to kind of help our students with navigating these feelings? No, I think just, you know, continuing to give permission to have all the feelings and Mm. whatever their feelings are, do not have to impact how you feel. You don't have to change. Oh, that's the hard part. (laughs) The hardest part. The hardest part. The hardest part. But you don't have to break up with your boyfriend because they don't like him. Mm -hmm. You can allow them to have their feelings and continue in your relationship. Mm -hmm. Life is messy. Blended families is messy. Mm-hmm. That is, I, I do think not allowing your children's emotions to take over your emotions is one of the hardest things to navigate as a parent in general and as a divorced parent. You Absolutely. carry so much guilt anyway, and you just want your kids to be happy and you want things to be good for them. And when it's not, it tears you up heart and destroys you and and you're mad at yourself and you're mad at the world and (laughs) you even get a little mad at the kids of like just work with me here let's let's try this and so it's so hard to stay separate from their emotions and be able to be a safe harbor for their emotions and i think there's two tips for that i mean the first is just noticing that what we would call like that you're dysregulated, that your Mm -hmm. kids' feelings are making, that's a huge step. Mm -hmm. So that's a step in noticing that you're you're feeding off of them, but it's not actually your feeling. So that's the first most important thing you can do. And it happens a hundred times a day to me. So like, I totally get it. Mm -hmm. The other thing is really embracing the idea of resiliency. Mm. You know, Our children will one day have a roommate they don't get along with, Mm -hmm. a boss that's difficult, a partner that they're in a relationship. They're going to have to navigate hard things. Yes. And I can tell you from people who come into my practice, the people who struggle the most are the ones who've been told and feel like things have to be happy and good all the time. Oh, yes. Yes. If you understand, right, that pain and struggle and sadness and grief and loss are this are the same excitations in the brain as happiness and joy and excitement you don't get so tense when you feel them mm. and you can actually flow in life so that's one of the mantras that i remind to myself which is that the idea of post traumatic growth that these kids are struggling but it's teaching them something mm. That's another thing I say a lot to my kids, which two big things I say is, how can I best support you? You know, what's, tell me what, you know, tell me what's going on for you when they ask me a question. And then what do you want to do differently to manage the situation? And I I ask them, even though I have a ton of ideas, Mm -hmm. I want them to develop the ability to figure out what to do. Okay. I have just learned something very important to me um, <laughs> because in my, my day job, I'm, I'm a teacher and mm-hmm. I, I, simple little example of my son was having problems, my high schooler having problems in one of his classes and he came home mm-hmm. and he's in tears. He called me from school crying and in tears and mm-hmm. my great, and he's, he's, he's on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, 
my listeners know he's he's a giant. He's 220, 6'3", autism wow. spectrum. Emotionally, you know, he's probably yeah. elementary mm-hmm. in a lot of areas, but he's a man. So it's kind of hard. Like people have a hard time sometimes understanding him. He's very high functioning. He does well. AP classes. But so in this particular class, he's having a really hard time. And he lost it with his teacher and crumpled his paper. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he has a very hard time managing his emotions sometimes. And he called me crying. And I just can't do this anymore. And Mm -hmm. I immediately went into fix it mode. How can we fix this? How can we make this better? And, you know, I, I sent message to his teacher and, and, you know, she and I got in contact. What I did not do, I did ask how I can support him, but Mm -hmm. I did not say, what do you want to do different to manage this situation? I didn't ask him that. I offered ideas and solutions and let him choose from that rather than letting him make a decision. And I think that's going to be my, <laughs> this is my big takeaway today. <laughs> this is your homework. Well, this uh-huh. is my like sixth big takeaway today. I'm, I'm writing down <laughs> notes like crazy. <laughs> so this is my sixth big takeaway today is I'm going to approach his issues by letting him manage and, and be there for him how he wants to manage it. Mm. That's powerful. Mm. Yeah. And I just want to say, Tiffany, for you to have so much compassion for yourself because you, it's a very, I have two kids who are, um, of special needs who are both on the ADHD spectrum. And I think as parents, we're, you know, we're pulled in so much. So it's, it's a very, right. We need to be their advocate, especially Mm -hmm. in our, you know, school system, which is problematic at times. Mm -hmm. And so it's a balance between being the advocate and stepping back and letting them. And I just think it's a constant, well, I'm going to try this this time. Now I'm going to try this. And mm-hmm. as they've gotten older, minor teenagers too, I do more and more of the um, letting them figure it out. Mm-hmm. I, I always tell the story. So I, I live in New York City and I grew up in New York City in, um, in the 80s. And I've traveled around myself in New York City from when I was like nine years old. So my kids were the same way. And so I remember the first time I let them cross the street by themselves. And I was, you know, you can do this. I know it's going to be great. I was watching them. Of course, I was wringing my hands. Right? Of so course. I thought that I'm not less anxious, <laughs> but I, I told them that I believed that they could handle it. Mm-hmm. Like saying, I bet you can handle it. How are you going to handle It's really making them feel confident in mm-hmm. themselves. And then we can deal with our feelings. That's why right. I'm here. That's why, you know, that's what the coaches and therapists are for. But <laughs> it's so I just true. Think, it's right? So true. Right? But it's so, I mean, we're going to have those feelings. They're not yes. going to go away. But saying, even saying, like, how do you want to handle this is sending the message that I know you can handle this. Like, mm-hmm. what do you want to do? Wow. All right, listeners, I hope you are taking <laughs> notes as vigorously as I am taking notes. That one right there, that is so powerful, especially as your children get older and start that. Um, finding their autonomy is letting them know you trust them to have that autonomy. And, you know, I, I might, I might have a few control, controlling behaviors. Welcome to the club. (laughs) (laughs) Letting my children know I trust them, which I do trust them, but I'm also a little controlling. So I need to let that go a little. Okay. Great. This is great. Okay. So the last part of the question the listener had for me was, all right, they're at a place where they're ready to introduce their children Mm -hmm. to the person they've been dating. How do they do that in a really respectful way to their children? So again, if we think about this hierarchy, the goal is for you to provide the needs for your kid. So it is not for your kid to like the person, Mm. to be on best behavior. Um, When I introduced my husband, we went to the playground. We live in New York City like every single day. Mm -hmm. So we had him, he just one day came to the playground. Mm -hmm. And I just said this, I think my kids were little, but I think I said this is my friend. I don't think I use the boyfriend term. Um, And he, I just remember he, and this is just part of what amazing man he is, but he just like walked in and started like, parallel play, like just parallel playing with my Mm. kid. There was like no expectation. It was just like, oh, what are you up to? What are you doing? Tell me about this. Right. So I would say something the kid does all the time. Don't introduce them at like 
Chuck E. Cheese. Don't do something that you like never do. Definitely don't do a dinner. Like make it kid friendly. I did a dinner. <laughs> <laughs> it's just oh, like so no. much pressure. <laughs> Right. I mean, I just think like kids, do, what, I mean, until you're like, I don't know, in your late 20s, you sit and have dinner. I mean, I don't know. They don't know yeah, what they're. Yeah. So just do something kid friendly. Let the kid lead it. Less is more. Small little, small little bites. No expectations on the kids. The kids do not have to approve. They do not have to like them. You have to allow the kid to tell you all their feelings about the person. Mm. With no judgment. This is a process. I mean, just like telling your kids you're getting a divorce, you have the reverse conversation, but they ask. I mean, my kids still ask questions 15 years later, mm -hmm. right? So like, it, it's a process. Mm -hmm. The first meeting, take the pressure off yourself. Um, and remember, the kids just need you to be present, to be seen, to be held, and to be soothed. Mm -hmm. They don't need to like this person to make sure for you to keep... Like, so many people put so much pressure on it. Mm -hmm. Um you know, how would you introduce, I mean, this is weird, but how would you introduce like a new pet? I don't know. Like it's like, what? not that a person's a pet, but like, <laughs> let, let's just take the pressure off of it. Right. Yeah. That's very good advice. Yeah. Grounded, appropriate, mm -hmm. kid focused. Mm -hmm. And it would, I would imagine that also depends a bit on the age of the children. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I still don't think meals ever go. <laughs> I know. Sorry, Tiffany. I know. I just feel like well, okay, playing so a video I game. I chose that because we wanted a neutral place. My kids yeah. are older. Uh, 16, 11 now. What were they at the time? 15, 14 and 9. Mm -hmm. And my 9-year-old, his favorite place on earth is California Pizza Kitchen because he likes uh. their mac and cheese. And anytime you ask where he wants to eat, California Pizza Kitchen. I want their mac and cheese. Right. So right. it felt like a safe place because it was his favorite place. Yeah. So we did meet there. Um, and we set it up ahead of time of, okay, we're going to meet this person. Um, we're going to have dinner. If you feel comfortable with them, then we can come back and play board games. My kids love playing board games. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if so not, them no big deal. That's great. And I gave them, gave them a code options. word they could say. If they felt like right. it was, yeah, let's let's continue this. Let's play games. And if not, then no big deal. We've had dinner. You've had your mac and cheese and we're happy. Perfect. That's what we did. But you're right. Maybe shouldn't have been dinner. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's, it's okay. I mean, you also, like, you. it was so thoughtful of you to think about your child's desire for the mac and cheese. But you could do takeout and go to the go to the water. I mean, just also know mm -hmm. that kids are not like adults who like straight one-on-one -on -one eye contact. Right. That's just what I'm thinking about with dinner or trying to think up conversation, right? right. Like sitting and playing video game together or, board, you know, just and being, I love the like, I love the idea of like, you can stop this at any time. Mm -hmm. Like you can, we can stop and start anytime. I really like that. Mm -hmm. That's great. And having the signal. I also think you need to be aware of your behavior that they are going to be looking to see, can you still be their mom mm -hmm. when you're all together? Mm -hmm. So be extra sensitive to, hey, hun, do you want to, you know, do you need a napkin? I mean, whatever. These right. small things right. to show them that you're still tuned into them, even when this other person is there. Mm -hmm. That's so important. That's yeah. very important. And be gentle with yourself about it. You'll have, pl again, plenty of opportunities to do or redo. I mean, <laughs> the whole pressure of the first time they're meeting, let's just take that off. Right. Yeah. And and I, I did set it up with them and with myself of this may need to be something that happens multiple times. You may not feel comfortable the first time. And I set it up with him. Of, you know, we're going to try it. Right. And if if it doesn't work out this time, we'll have plenty of times for you to meet the kids and for us to do stuff. Right. Um, right. And I wanted the kids to know there wasn't a lot of pressure as far as that they had to like him. If they did, yes. we can continue the evening. If not, that was okay. I love that. You that gave so much permission. <laughs> yeah, you, you gave so much permission to everybody, to yourself, mm -hmm. to the kids, to your partner, right? You And you, you stayed away from the sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. Which Although I'm not going to really lie, important. deep inside, there was definitely that sense of, oh my gosh, I hope this works. <laughs> of course, of course. And again, like that's what therapy, that's what we're here. Like mm -hmm. we're here to support all of that. Like that, those feelings are okay. It's just not putting them on the kids. So right. the kids feel like this has to be good. 
All right. Well, I, I'm pretty darn sure that my listener that sent me that message is feeling <laughs> very supported by what you said today. This is mm. really, really powerful um, information you. that you gave today. So before we move into the the fun part of the interview where we yeah. get to know you a little bit better, do you have any last yep. words of advice for parents navigating the dating world with their kids? So I have a masterclass on my on my website. It's called How Not to Screw Up Your Kids. It's from a psychologist. <laughs> I love that title. And, yes. And I really recommend people check it out. Um, and in that, one of the main premises that I think you can, a gift you can give to your kid is what we're talking about today, separating out your feelings from their feelings. Mm-hmm. Like you just made a perfect example, Tiffany. You were so hopeful this would work out and it would go well and they would like them. But their feelings of confusion, uncertainty, lack of safety, like you could, you could honor both of your feelings separately Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you didn't make your kids feel what you wanted them to feel. So I'd say that is incredibly important and that your kids want safety and security from you all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm, Very good. That is very powerful. Thank you. And I just want to say one more time that phrase that you have, children want to feel seen, mirrored, and soothed. Uh, Really quick, the mirrored part. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the part where you basically validate their experience. So Mm. they're crying and you say, I see that you're having such a hard time. You have so many feelings right now that are just overwhelming. You're like narrating. Mm-hmm. Imagine like a mirror just trying to describe it. Mm-hmm. So seeing is catching it and noticing something's going on. The mirror can also be the idea we talked about with the iceberg, like mirroring what's ha- going on underneath. Like, wow, you have a lot of questions. You must have a lot of questions right now. Mm-hmm. Think about it as like programming something into them that you want them to be able to ask themselves at one point. That's how I always think about oh. it. Like my son's in college. Yes. Like when my son's in college and he's, I want him to say, hmm, I'm having a hard time now. What is something I I need? Or something like that. Right. Like this kind of, yeah, it's training them to have that internal ability to regulate themselves. Mm. That is so powerful. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. I want everybody to be able to walk away with that. That is just so powerful. Mm. You've said it a couple of times today. I just want to make sure we've touched on it yes. again so that listeners can walk away with that. So thank you. Thank you so much. Of course. Would you like to have more personalized support in rebuilding your best life after divorce? Would you like the benefits of coaching and having a community of like-minded women supporting and empowering you? I would love to have you as a member of my Love and Life After Divorce membership group. In the Love and Life membership group, you will have monthly live group coaching calls with me, a monthly book club, accountability sisters, support sessions, empowerment activities, goal setting challenges, and so much fun. Click on the link in the show notes to join. All right. Now we're going to shift into the bonus round, these questions where (laughs) listeners get to know you on a little bit of a different level. So I always ask three questions of all my guests and they're really fun and we get, we get such a great insight. So the first question, because we are (laughs) big book nerds in my community, what is a book that you are reading right now that you're really enjoying? So I'm reading a book that I highly recommend. It's called Minor Feelings. Mm. Um, It is written by an Asian-American, beautiful, creative writer, but it's about her experience of being Asian-American in the United States. And we're reading it. I'm reading it both for my diversity and equity and inclusion book club Mm. at work and in my practice, but also for my kids' school. Mm. And it's a beautiful, beautiful piece of work. It's called Minor Feelings. Beautiful. Okay. That's definitely going on the list. I love that. All right. Next question. They're making a movie of your life and you get to pick Mm. three songs for the soundtrack. What would your three songs be? Oh my God. Okay. So, I mean, it's so funny. All the songs that are coming to mind are um, songs that are... So one of the ways that I move stress through my body is through music and through dancing. 
And so my, my, um, so the first song, song that kind of comes to mind is Taylor Swift, Shake It Off, because mm. I do so much mm-hmm. of kind of shaking. And I actually, that's a, we can talk about this another, another podcast, but it's a way to get out the fight response or the flight response. And when you have trauma, so that's kind of the first one about moving your body. Um, there's a Sinead O'Connor song called, um, I'm here to mother you, which oh. is about being mothered and being held. Mm. Mm. She's so gifted too. Oh, oh, yeah, which is a huge part of me, too, mm-hmm. um, the kind of compassion and guiding. Um, and then I would say the third is this other kind of fun, spirited, sexy part of me that likes um, the song Pony, which is kind of a, like, sexy song. Uh-huh. And that would also be part of it because that's part of who I am, too. I love that. See, we learned something so cool about you today. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Cohen and her one sexy of the things, side. We like exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> one of one of, yeah, one of the things that really healed me was connecting back to my embodied feminine mm-hmm. body and I did that in some pole dancing classes, you know, and things How that brought fun. out that sensuality. Yeah. How fun. Yeah, I've um I've taken up burlesque dancing. Oh, yeah. It's so fun. It's so, so fun. So great, right? Yeah. yeah. You just tap tap into a part that I think as a mother or in a you know, mm-hmm. in this world that we live in that we just shut off. So we do, I love that. we do. And it's so fun. And it, the, the such, there's so much fun in those communities. Whenever you're hanging around yes. people that have kind of shed yes. that, that layer of shame and they're just like, Hey, here I am. And I say yes. people because the community, you know, there's, there's men, there's women, there's, there's non-binary and, yeah. and, just sh- all shapes and sizes and you just are all having fun together and celebrating all the different bodies and all the different iterations okay. of uh and it's it's kind of campy and a fun it's a campy yeah. fun sexy where it's like yeah yeah i love that so great <laughs> so embodied i love that too i, I, I am so you happy that. you shared this side of you i am so happy <clears throat> oh thank you Okay. So our last question is about taking risks. We, you know, this whole process of transforming yourself after divorce is full Mm -hmm. of those opportunities to take risks. So what is a risk that you have taken that you're really glad you said yes to? So many. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But recently I let go of a relationship, a familial relationship that Mm. has been very painful for me for a really long time. Mm. And there's been a lot of um, societal pressure to not release that Mm -hmm. and life, family. And I took the risk of doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so much has happened for me by releasing that burden. Mm-hmm. So it was a really, really hard risk, but I'm feeling the abundance of it and the golden ant and the grief, both of it. Right. Um, but it was a huge risk and I'm really proud of myself for doing it. I'm proud of you too. That's not easy. I've I've had to do that with my my mother for um uh, that's who mine was with. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. So so that's you know, and there's a lot of there's a lot that goes with that. Um, yeah. and, and for me personally to be able to say, I know she loves me mm-hmm. and I know that I have to let this go because, uh, for, for us and my story, there's a whole another side to that we won't get into today, but for religious reasons, my mom has mm. not, she's cut me out of her life for, mm. it's, I don't know, probably been 15 years since we've talked. And so to be able to say, Okay. I know she loves me and I'm going to let this go because I just yeah. can't pursue this. Right. And, you know, every time I reach out, either get ignored or get some nasty comment back. So it's just like, you know what, let's just, I love you yeah, and you love me and we're different and that's okay. Yeah. And that is and a big risk. A, yeah. And there's such a stigma about it. I mean, I, my, this book I wrote, Light at the Other Side of Divorce is all about helping people through the stigma of divorce. And I, mm. I think my next book will be the stigma of this, of letting go mm. of relationships that I want to share. Pe- so you'll be on it, but I want to share people's stories who've ha- been brave enough to do it because it's, nobody talks about it. It's, it's true. It's, and it's so hard and it's so, there is so much kind of guilt that goes with sure. what if this person passes away? You know, what if my mother passes away and I've never gotten to talk to her or, you know, say, I do love you, even though we're not together and talking every day and you're not in my life, I do love you. And 
it's made me sad that you haven't watched my children grow and yes. that you haven't been a part of my life. And that makes me really sad. Um, but I've had to let this go. <laughs> you know, yeah. So it's a – anyway, I don't need to get into it's my stuff risk. right now. Yes, but it no, is no, a big risk. And I'm, I'm saying I um, – You know how big it is. <laughs> I connect with you on that. I definitely connect with yeah. you on that. Dr. Cohen, this has been – Mm. Amazing. I definitely feel transformed and uplifted, oh. and I am sure my listeners do as well. Mm. I would love for them to be able to reach out to you. What are mm -hmm. some of the ways they can reach out to you? Great. So my website is drelizabethcohen.com. That's drelizabethcohen.com. Lots of freebies there talking about sensuality, how to have the best sex post-divorce, affirmations to help you, like tons of stuff. Um, on Instagram, I'm the, I'm at the divorce doctor and then please check out my podcast. It's called the divorce doctor where I interview women. Tiffany is on it, um, about their stories and their strength and men as well uh, and non-binary everyone. Um, and please check that out. It's where you get all your podcasts and the masterclass that I mentioned, the secrets, um, to not screw mm -hmm. up your kids. That's also on the website and also a link to my book which is Light at the Other Side of Divorce, Discovering the New You, which is available everywhere. If you're going to get it, I'd encourage you to go to Bookshop, which is a small conglomerate, a conglomerate of small bookstores, which just really struggled during COVID. So it's a good way to mm, I love that. support them. Thank you. Thank you. That's wonderful. Dr. Cohen, this has been an absolute pleasure. Listeners, I hope you mm. reach out to her. As you can see from just this short time we spent with her today, she is full of amazing wisdom that she delivers in such a lovely, open, vulnerable way that's easy to access. So I certainly hope you reach out to her and DM me. Let me know what you thought of this episode. And if you have any further questions, anything else you want to hear about, let us know. Thank you for having me. We hope you have an absolutely beautiful day, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the Love and Life After Divorce podcast. If anything resonated with you in the podcast, I would love to hear about it. Please DM me on my Instagram at Tiffany Kane. Also, if this podcast makes you think of a friend that could benefit from hearing this message of support and empowerment, please share it with her. And remember, this podcast is sponsored by the Love and Life After Divorce Membership Group. We would be so thrilled to have you join. Have a beautiful day. And remember, of course, it's all about you. Hashtag self-love.